0: Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come
1: inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. I had
0: some sense that there was something behind the world, but I didn't know it. It was a belief
1: where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. I think of plants as teachers and spiritual guides, like they are family. You won't believe the uh ahas that come up in every single conversation. We are the light. We don't need to seek enlightenment. We are the light. What we need to do is embody. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. Everyone came here under the stars with the promise to be of service to the evolution of this crazy game called humans. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed and joining us today is the defender of female awesomeness, Lisa Lister. She is an artist, psychotherapeutic coach, somatic movement practitioner, and author of six really interesting books, including Love Your Lady Landscape, which, which was one of my favorite books, and her latest book, Self-Sorcery. Lisa is also a well woman and womb yoga therapist, womb and rhythmic massage practitioner, and offers support, guidance, tools, and counsel to women who are exploring, navigating, and wanting to heal their relationship with their body, power, sex, creativity, spirituality, pleasure, and passion. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Lisa. Thank you so much. What a gorgeous introduction. Hello. Woo. You are one of the most interesting people ever that, uh, you know, when I read your book, Witch, I just fell in love with you and I was like, I really, really, really want to talk to this woman. So I'm very excited that you said yes to come on the podcast, but I'd really love to start at the beginning of your story. When did you first start to sense magic and subtle energies?
2: Um, so interesting. I think like, so my nan was like, she's from a traveler. She's from a traveler background. So she already had you know, a touch of the magic about her. And I think spending time with her meant that I was really able to kind of sit at her apron strings really, and kind of witness her in action. Like she'd give me herbs to smell. She'd say like, what do you think that does? What do you think that does? And, and like, just really encourage me to trust my own intuition really. Um, and so as My mom, however, not so keen on it. Like she also had like she had a lot of potential gifts that she definitely because she really wanted to fit in with society. She didn't she didn't want any of that stuff. So it was almost like my nan would be like, Don't tell your mama, but we're doing this, but we're gonna and it was an exploration. And I feel like, yeah, it started there. It's it really started. Just in the exploration, really, my nan encouraging me to be curious about all the things, really, whether it's herbs, whether it was about what I could see, what I could feel.
1: Uh-huh. Have you dove in at all to the, your traveler lineage at all since then? I mean, it's kind of interesting. I, I really identify with what you said because my father taught me how to read Turkish coffee cups when I was little. I also had a nanny, not a nan, this was a Scottish nanny who looked after me, who was psychic, who read cards and whatever and saw that I had the gift. And my dad had it through his lineage Um, so it was interesting. Did you actually track it? You know, now that you do this full time, did you track, you know, how the lineage, the traveler lineage has impacted you? Cause I I get it. My mom also was like, your mom, I don't want anything to do with that. Right. So it's like, we want to fit in, go away. For sure. So I think for me, my nan's,
2: um, my mom's kind of lineage is Irish traveler. And my dad was Romany traveler. Right. So, I mean, you just got to look at the coloring to right. know, <laughs> in this one, how and why that works. So yeah, it was definitely, um, it's definitely, definitely in both of them. And I think I'm the first one in my family not to have ever lived in a, um, a caravan, <laughs> I think like to ever stay static. Interesting. But, um, mm, it's not my most happy place to stay static either, but, but yeah, I feel like it was from there, um, witnessing in both of them that like, so this was energetics that were in me. And so, yeah. Like for most part of my, you know, I spent a lot of time in my nan. So I'm very blessed that I've got all that medicine, but then I became a teenager and then I got really interested in far more interesting. <laughs>
1: <because> kissing boys. <laughs> kissing boys was way more interesting than magic. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was magic alone, right? That awoke eroticism. <laughs> different magic. That's a different type of magic. That's right. <laughs> So, um, from what I hear, there's a resistance between the two paths. You come from two distinct traveler backgrounds, one Irish, the other Romany, rights of Romany. And so we know that that is very specific to a way of life, uh, a, a, Viewpoint of how the world works, but then at the same time, being um, impacted by somebody who really wanted to belong in a very different world, so how did you experience that? Did it impact your sense of being safe in that world or where you belonged, or did you kind of had a feeling that you didn 't know where you belonged?
2: yeah, the latter I think I feel like only now, um, even in the last probably. Eight years, I've started to be like, right, okay, this is who I am. And I can accept that. And it was part of, it was definitely part of claiming back my own power, really, my own understanding of who I was, was in that kind of recognition that I've never fitted anywhere. Like, so I'd go to, I went to a normal school. I was like a proper geek. Yeah. You know I, I got really geeky which was just not <laughs> heard of. Not heard of in Traveller families, right? Like when you're 13 you kind of got to get on and get and do the other things. You know I went to university which was totally unheard of. Um because I tried. I really wanted to fit in. I did and like I said I didn't I didn't turn my back on what my Nana had taught me, but I was just like I'm way more interested in like boys like I say or like literally just um <laughs> studying and like trying to be normal whatever normal mm-hmm. was. And that's when everything kind of started. Like you know, I was going to university, and I was, and I thought I had to do it this way. I had to, everything's had to look a certain way. We had to do a certain thing, and I desperately wanted to try and fit in. You know, a traveller community here in the UK is not something like that you'd be proud right. of. I mean, you should be. You absolutely mm. should be, but like people aren't.
1: But I understand it's marginalized. Mm. You you come from a yeah. marginalized community, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Like, what did you study in university? Out of curiosity, media and culture isn't that interesting, right? That it's just like, well, how do we fit in? How does this work? How does this, how, how do we bridge all these different pieces? I went to law school, God forbid, but whatever. How did you? <laughs> my parents, oh my God, you tried to put me a square peg in a round hole. I will tell you, I totally understand that. Where the heck do I fit in? Oh, you want me to be this? Okay. Nothing worked. I want to reference one of your books Um, in your book. Let's let's segue over because we have Mm. so much to talk about. Love your lady landscape. You speak about living life from the neck up, disconnecting from your female body, living life like a dude. This is what you're quoting. (laughs) I'm quoting you from the book because it was an easier option versus living life as a woman who was never seen nor heard. Can you speak about this time in your life? Mm.
2: yeah, there was a time when I was a little bit younger where I was mute, completely mute. I didn't speak, um, like I didn't think that what I was had to say was useful. So then it manifested physically so that I literally couldn't speak. And so a lot of people wow. experience that when they've experienced trauma or and whilst I imagine now looking back, like it's quite a traumatizing act to be a human that doesn't fit. Into societal kind of programming and boxes um and that may have been enough to do that but yeah that kind of and it was a period and it and it stretched between two and a bit years right where I just didn't speak and I could and then there was a time when I physically couldn't speak
1: right
2: yeah and and so that kind of led to me work trying to figure out what can I like what can I do I just have to do this life like everyone else is doing it like nothing made sense like the things I could see and feel and hear and witness made mm-hmm. no sense because now like no one was guiding that path and so literally I just went straight up into my head disconnected from the body
1: completely right I know so many of us can relate to this you know I completely disconnected I had something violent happen to me when I was 19 that I'm not going to go into right now, but uh, it was much easier to be uh, more aggressive or predatory or, or, you know, like I'm not going to care. I'm not going to let myself be vulnerable. I'm not, you know, like, so there's this kind of thing, this power that if a woman can't speak or can't be heard or don't, or what you say doesn't count, then there is a level of, well... I need to find a different way to protect myself. So I think that's what I got from your book. Beautiful. Um, Yeah. You know, Agreed. It's not safe even. So the idea of living like a quote unquote dude mm. is I, I totally I really was, was very, very touched by by this particular book because I think a lot of people, a lot of women or yeah. or people who identify as female. As yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, look what's happening right now in, in Iran. I mean, all these places everywhere, you know, finding how manner in which we can safely as women, we should be able to have a voice and to share.
2: I don't know if it is safe. I'll be honest. Like, you know, and I've said, I said in which I said in a lot of books, you know, I, I, and it's, it's the wish, it's the hope that we feel safe enough to express ourselves. Like that feels like such the an hope. important part of the work for me to do. But like, is it safe? Well, clearly not. Like right? We just have to look at the news. We just have to yep. look around the globe to witness mm-hmm. that. And we have to support each other to m- try we have to try and find ways in which we can find pockets of safety with each other, you know, with, yep. with other humans. Yes. Which, like, like here, me and you sitting together, you know, being able to have these conversations, a blessing. And hopefully somebody hears like something that we share today and something drops in because we've been able to express what we're thinking and feeling and I'm not saying it's always comfortable and it's definitely not for me like I still recognize that (laughs) that that one that was mute like I still recognize like wow this is so tricky for me to speak out loud and it is like I've done training I've done all sorts but unless but what's helped me come into the body come into the body and trust yeah that's all I can that's the only place I can speak from
1: As you're talking, I'm even feeling that sense of constraint in my throat of, you know, how often it's ways in which we have learned how to manipulate our words in order to find a way to be safe and still say what we need to. It's still not, it's not a time where we can just be 100% that, but, and I love that you brought up hope that hope without certainty. I think that we have to <laughs> hope without the attachment to the end right. game. And like you said, have these conversations where there's compassion and care and we listen and we share about these things because they still hurt. Yeah. right? Still, it's still hard for me too. You know, you have this gorgeous podcast. you have
2: this space people think because I kind of I like whole ceremony, whole ritual, but that's because I've worked out that I have to be in my body. And that was the point, right, that I wasn't in my body. And so when we recognize that our throat also is like as above, so below, like mirrors our vaginal wall, mirrors our cervix. When we have constriction in our throat, we have constriction in our vaginal wall. We have constriction in our throat. And so recognizing that there is this beautiful mirror space and that we have to practice like we have to try like i said that is the hope that's my only ask is that we try and we share even if it's shaky like i'm not claiming to be someone that speaks in memes or or beautiful sound bites but yep. i do mm-hmm. know that it comes from my belly it comes from the poifiness that sits in my belly the truth that i speak and that's yeah. all i can trust
1: that's exactly and so when we bring ourselves back into the womb space so Oh my goodness, this is such an interesting conversation. Okay, so I want to go back to Love Your Lady Landscape and then we're going to speak more about this vulnerability, this space of vulnerability, that, um, which I thought was fascinating. You recounted a story about a Mayan priestess, shaman named Rosa, sharing that the pelvis is known as the second skull. I really want you to share a little bit about that because you've already referenced now when we come from our belly, we come from our womb and the relationship between our throats and our vagina. Tell me a little bit about this.
2: And our skull the same for this beautiful pelvic bowl, right? so if we're up in our skull and our skull holds like this beautiful brain and all of this good stuff, but if we stay in the skull and not in our pelvis, and for so many of us as women as well, the pelvic the pelvis is tilted, it's been shaped, it's been held a certain way, and we hold it a certain way when we hold our belly in, we're then tilting our pelvis, we're holding in yoga like tuck your, tuck your tailbone under, don't tuck your tailbone under, don't do that. You know, and it's, it's like actually recognizing that (laughs) we have this beautiful mirror. Like we are as above, so below, we have this, like the inside of our mouths are exactly the same as the inside of our lips and our vaginal wall. Right. So everything is mirrored. And so if our hips are not aligned, then our neck, we're on our phones all day and we're looking at our phones. Like we're pulling our neck out of shape. Our skull gets heavy with the head and then our pelvis completely moves from its like natural alignment. And so all we're ever looking for is like not to reshape natural alignment. Can we recognize where our pelvis is? And yeah, and can we then recognize how our head feels on our beautiful shoulders? And then can we create some like holistic kind of, natural space where we're not holding our bellies in, where we're not tilting our pelvises so our tailbones are tucked under, where we're not pulling our shoulders back so hard, where we're not looking down at our phones. It's like, oh, can we find some natural alignment where everything is where it can be beautifully and feel yummy
1: you know what's really interesting I had to unlearn again this is just my experience I'm not telling anybody not to do yoga or whatever but I had to unlearn a lot of the pelvic tilting and all of the contortions uh, because it was actually creating a lot of stress in my hip area and so as the whole nine yards and uh, oh yeah I got completely out of alignment also it related back to when the first trauma happened there Right. right so when I finally found somebody to work with me, they were like, you can't, all those things that you're doing. And I would always suck my stomach in and hold it in. And, you know, and I even wore a corset when I had my band. So it would like suck me in like to be acceptable. It was such an interesting thing. And I had to, I grieved so deeply because I thought that that's what would make me attractive and whatever right. and then do all these the way I was holding myself it was very very interesting and I was so scared to let my belly out so <laughs> terrified I mean, it was just like you know because as women we are like what will happen if I allow this
2: to be soft if I allow
1: this to be soft it's right.
2: armor for so many people yeah, let it be mm-hmm. soft but it's a practice like you say i feel like crying
1: <laughs> yeah because we're not told to connect we're not told to yeah i know and this is what you teach which i i found to be quite terrifying at first um so the first time i did it i'll admit i had i even feel the feelings right now that i might cry but i bawled my eyes out when i was like oh my god i have to let this go cuz it mm. I, it all i ever did was hold it in and tuck it in and do whatever that was my way of almost like a warrior stance like and it is that's exactly it. I know in your workshops a lot of tears happen. They do. They do. <laughs> they really do. And and good, right? And that's <laughs> I've heard. Like it was not, they're not
2: crying. Colette's not working. No, I don't mean yeah. it like that. But it genuinely is because we've spent so many years holding, holding, holding it all. And of course, as women, we can hold it all. But should we? No absolutely not like we're not here to hold it all no should we no that's right we can of course we can check uh, us out like we don't the we can should we yeah. absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not
1: let's talk a little bit about the womb space as a medicine bowl mm. and having alchemical potential
2: So I look at the, when I talk about the pelvic bowl, so the pelvic bowl is like this gorgeous cauldron, right? Some would say it's even like the Holy Grail that everyone's searching for. It's like to witness that we have this beautiful pelvic bowl, cauldron, medicine bowl space in which we can feel. So yes, you've already mentioned that we can hold trauma in that space, right? Of course we can. And it has the potential to alchemize. That space is all is available to us to create, whether that's life, whether that's an idea, whether that's a business, like it all comes from there. Like like I said, we get so up in our heads, but actually if we can come in and come down and down into this bowl, it's like we have access to, and in the new book, and I'm going to jump, I'm really sorry, Claire, I jump around as well. Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like in the new book, yeah. I talk about the Python S, right? And the Python S is this beautiful coiled potential voice our voice which mirrors the voice of the primordial serpent that you know that moves under the earth and we have access to that like when we connect to that as source we have access to this deeper voice this deeper knowing that lies underneath all of the things like you just said that we have to unlearn we get underneath all of that programming all of that beliefs and behaviors we've been taught and sold and told are how we should be and actually can get underneath it and down. Like into that pelvic bowl, then what's possible there? That womb is like it holds the imprint of the cosmic womb, right? So where there's nothing, anything is possible, right? So we've got this whole potentiality, and if we do hold the trauma there, we can use certain movements like that softening, that deepening, to really alchemize some of that. So it's not about going well, you've just got to cut a cord, which is totally cool, by the way, or you've just got to release the thing, which is, it can really work for a lot of people. But for some specifically women who have held trauma specifically in their pelvic bowl, who experience like you're talking about the pain in the psoas, pain in the like thighs and the hips, all of that because of, and when I'm talking about trauma, yeah, there's like so many women hold big trauma, but also riding a bike the trauma from riding a bike can still be held in our body, like specifically in that kind of pelvic bowl and, and the muscles that support and hold it. Right. So it's about really recognizing all the ways in which like we've held on and then working out ways to slowly, slowly, slowly unwind versus like, right, we're just going to change it up. We're not going to do that anymore. It's like
1: slowly, slowly
2: unpack, unfold,
1: unwind, reveal, I love that you talk about that because I do think that the expectation of quick fixes um, is something I've... You can have spontaneous remissions. I believe that. And I know that, yes, you're right. When you are really ready to stop repeating something and you know that you could make a choice, you could make a quantum leap. This is true too. But in my experience, my experience working in the field, the intuitive field for 35 years is that it often... Takes time, it, and you have to allow yourself that space for the story to morph and change. Uh, it's not so quick as we like to think that it can be, and it's not cut and dry, you know. And I also believe, too, that what I love about your work is that you talk about that everybody has it. You speak very inclusively about cycles and female energy, but you also, I'd love to also for our listeners who identify as women, but don't experience a cycle and may not have a womb specifically, how can they still access womb wisdom energy as well? For sure. Have what we consider a medical womb or, or, or physiological womb.
2: But, like I say, there's the pelvic bowl. If we look at it more as a pelvic bowl that contains the potentiality for magic, right? So, if you hold a womb in that space, awesome. Both have it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We all have that, right? We all have this beautiful pelvic bowl and the potentiality to hold space. If you're in a female body, you may have held a womb in that space. Some people don't. And that's cool too. Like, there's always going to be an energetic imprint in that space. So, we can still use the energetics of this. In some like religions, that's called like ahara in a in in men, right? Like so, in some spiritual paths, like that's called a There's energetics as well as the physicality, right? Like so, it's not like we're not just imagining you've got a womb. We're just saying that there is
1: an energetic imprint that you can call on and call up. Because it just manifests differently in people who aren't constructed to have an actual womb, but who's, you know, some people still identify as women, but don't actually have the construct of the womb. And some men who identify as men right. also can really benefit from your work. I just really wanted to, to make sure people understood that this is this is for all of us. Yeah. I do want to talk more about your new book, because I think it's really pertinent to where we are now. But I do want to ask this one question, because my yeah. favorite book of yours is called Witch. <laughs> that's, that's actually the first book I bought of yours. Thank and, you. And uh, so I want to, <laughs> what is a witch, according to you? So according to me, and this
2: is very personal, it means a woman in her power when i say woman i also mean anybody that identifies in that way but i means it just means a human in their power in that potentiality of me writing that book it was about this woman in her power and I'm, by that i mean me it was about recognizing, weight. that's a word that's been used against so many of us, specifically women throughout history, yep. as, a, as a term, not of endearment, right? And it's also been like- um, so Right, not of us, endearment. Not <laughs> of endearment. And so, and you know, it, it's been used as a term of abuse for so many people. And it still is, like I see it all the time. And we and we've all experienced different versions of what witch hunts look like too, right? And so big part of it for yep. me whether that's online, whether that's um, like um, in history, whether we, like many of us, I believe as well, which is why I think which probably has been the most popular book is because so many of us do remember carry some of that wound in perhaps like from past lives in regards to the witch hunts and it's why so many of us as women are like always looking behind us like what's coming next like what's coming like that hyper vigilance because we hold on to this deep wounding of like that term and so that's why I always like I'm like we need to call it back in there needs to be a reclamation process and there needs to be like a yeah. we are taking our power back and so like every workshop I do in regards to whatever it's about, like I will gather the women and we will shout like, I call back my power now, like so that you can feel what that feels like when you're in communion with other women, because it's pretty epic. Yeah. And like you say, it's not just women, it's anyone that feels the same call. You know, we've all been different, various different on the spectrum of being human throughout our entire like lifetimes, right? So if you're not a woman in this life, you may have been one in a previous life, so you're still carrying. In that kind of understanding of what this is. So yeah, for me, it is a woman in her power. And mm-hmm. and it's like the reclamation of everything that has been used against us. Almost like the creatrix, the sorceress, like all of these things, like all of the things that yeah. where people are like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's not okay. Like the cunning, the men you know, the, oh, if you're cunning, then you're manipulative. The
1: healers. The healers. The cunning, the people who were outside of specific, you know, over, if you look at history and the Inquisition right. and all of the times when the weird, W-Y-R-R-D, <laughs> weird women and men, right? Yeah, were fine. those who lived outside of the specific dogma and rules of monotheism. Yeah. Right. That's the other thing. Because this is very much about earth magic and belonging to the earth.
2: And that's and that's exactly it.
1: Belonging to our bodies as we belong to the earth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It. And think that's all the remembrance. Yes, I totally agree. I have the witch wound. Okay, we have to take a break now. More with Lisa Lister when we come back. Welcome back. Lisa, I want to pick back up on what we were talking about before the break, because your new book is really, I think, is groundbreaking. So I want to go back to some of the things in self-sorcery. So Mm. let's talk about exactly what that means. What is self-sorcery? (laughs)
2: so it's a heavy emphasis on the word source right so and it's obviously a play on words in terms of like sorcery and people kind of get all like up in themselves around like oh sorcery is about magic and it's all about and it's like yes it is but this is a heavy emphasis on the word source in order to source ourselves Like we are living in wild times, right? You know that. We all know that we we are in it, and we have chosen to be it at this time. No matter how much I like to think I did not sign up for this, I absolutely did. I mean, I do have a word every now and again. Are you sure? Are you sure? But um, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm aware. Like so, me too. Me too. (laughs) Right. But in order to fully show up, and by show up, I mean on our terms and in the way that is of most service, not in terms of like how someone on Instagram tells you you should be showing up, what you should be doing in response to a thing, what you should be doing in, in XYZ situations, right? But more about how do I source myself? Like, what do I need in order to be able to show up fully? Like, how can I connect at source with divinity as me recognizing that I am divinity? Like, so how can I be sourced, fully sourced, So like self-source, so I'm like taking responsibility, I'm recognizing what's mine, I'm also recognizing what's projected as well, because I've got discernment, because that comes when we practice self-sorcery, is this beautiful discernment and refinement of, wait, I don't have to react to everything. I'm witnessing like, oh, okay, I've got to get underneath all of that, because that's what I'm being told and sold. So I'll get underneath that all right, so what's the song that's being sung? Like, what do I sense? Like what song is being sung in my, in my deepest belly and bones? And then recognising that we have access to all of these beautiful temple arts that we used to, that used to be so beautifully, like just in us, like innately in us, like our ocular knowing, our our vision, our sight, you know, like our inner sight, our our inner voice, all of those things, and able to allow them to come to the forefront so we can remember the magic that we were able to spin, create and and make with those sensorial kind of medicines and magic versus what we're told we should be doing, how witchcraft should look, how healers should look. It's like it's all encompassing, but it's a remember to come back in, come down, be in your body. And recognizing that you are not what people tell you. What you were saying at the beginning, like it's an unprogramming, it's an unfolding of what we've been told to reveal. Then we can heal what's revealed. If it needs to be, then we can release what needs to be. We can recognize there's discernment. There's, like I say, that refinement that comes so that you can then really use your cunning. You can really use your magic, your sensorial nature to do good like in the world. And like, who doesn't want to be like full up and realize that actually us full up is way more powerful than, um, us conformed, us burnt out trying to fit into everyone else's ideas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Don't you find right now though, it's pretty exciting because everything is unraveling and that we're just seeing it all unravel the things that are conditioned and I mean, the system, so let's assume, and we don't have to talk about any one of them, but any of the systems or the structures that we've even become unconscious of are now being dissembled. So what I heard you talk about, which just like, ugh, we agree that everything is kind of unraveling, so now we can bring back what is source. And I love that you said that we are divinity, and I believe that we are made in the image of the divine, which is which is nature. So, and it is within us the blueprint of our own magic to co create a world that comes from an authentic place of deep connection and compassion, mutual compassion. And I always say that the greatest cause of suffering in the world is spiritual disconnection. And it cannot come from any kind of dogma, it's us plugging into source. And I love that you talk about self sorcery. And I also love that you you kind of just threw out a couple of things. I'm like, wait, let's talk more about that. <laughs> when you're saying about, well, what witchcraft needs to look like or being a witch needs to look like or a healer, that we have to come to our own unique way of expressing those things. And that potentially these overly structured ways that we are told is the only way needs to soften and be more flexible and resilient as we move forward. Um, you also mentioned oracular. I, I I call it oracular consciousness. Beautiful. And yeah. so, there. This exists in us, but it's atrophied. That's another reason why there's a deep fear in all of us because you know that that this is something that's been poo pooed. There's a new book out. I just read. I'm not going to say the name of it because it's not important. But I was reading this this new bestseller all about how not to trust your intuition because it's really not that important. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like we, it's the opposite. It's the, it's, (laughs) this is, this is what will create the wholeness. And I love that that is the thread that runs through all of your work, the vulnerability that you share about us allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and not follow the crowd. We have to say it this way. Well, no, we're all finding our way. We're trying to find the best way. And this is all in flux right now. So anybody that gets too rigid, I find it's like, oh, you know, like we got to make a little more space for for the nuance that, <gasps> that change requires. Because that's where grace comes in. It doesn't oh. come in from being completely rigid about how things should be. Beautiful. And you cultivate grace. That's what sorcery oh. really is. <laughs> Your book is about cultivating grace.
2: And be- thank you. thank you. And and there's a line in the book, Colette, that says that we have to create space for grace. That is absolutely so. Already, <laughs> already you're there. Already you're there. But it's true. I'm, all, right? I'm and ready. That's, yeah. Yeah. And that's all I ever try to do is create that space. So whether it's in our body, like whether it is coming down into our pelvic bowl and recognizing there's space for grace there, whether it's recognizing that there's space for grace in our spiritual practice, whatever that looks like, And like you say, having fierce compassion for ourselves because everything about, so if we're talking about self-sorcery, everything about that book is a deepening, a softening and a deepening into what we all already know. Yes. Right? Not trying to teach anyone anything new. It's literally a remembrance. It's a gift wrapped with love and chocolate and kisses from me. (laughs) In order to like remember what it is you already know. And I, cause I don't think any of us, like you say, in this time and in this place where like everything is in chaos, but mother is the, you know, they say, don't they chaos is the mother of all creation. And it's like, this is where we get to create. Yeah. And that's the, this sorcery, like this is the best time. Right? And if we're in our body, if we can create for, if we're here present, sourced from source at source as source, like if we recognize all of that, then we're we less likely to kind of take the hits that that, that kind of maybe people that aren't tuned in in this way can so that we can support those that aren't. You know, there's no hierarchical system here. This is just about like, if you are tuned in, it is your responsibility to first check in on you, make sure you're fully sourced, make sure you're full of it. Like, I want to be a woman who's full of it so that the spillover becomes like medicine for everyone. Like that's the, that's the, that's the purpose. Don't try, don't try and be pulling from something that's depleted already. Like I want to be full up. Yes. You can call me a woman who's full of it. I'll take it because if I am, then I'm going to be useful. I love this.
1: I'm not useful if I'm not full up. I'm not useful if I'm not full up. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we're looking to do with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we all bring our specific note to the harmony in life's symphony, and we can't play somebody else's. I think that's at the real deep nature of projection, too, you know, that the, like, everybody is trying to grab something outside of themselves, Yeah, you know, when really it's, right, it's like, oh, you have that, or no, you better do it that way, this, 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 but the truth is, is that, you know, when we fall back into something like you said, we already know. We have to listen to our knowing. Yes. We have to learn and to practice. listen to it. And that's what I know. Yeah. Your work is all about that. And it's so exciting. So everybody, her book is called Sorcery, um, Self-Sorcery, S O U. E R Y right? <laughs> so it's called self-sorcery. Anyway, this has been such a great conversation. Let's pull a card together Ooh, and yep, see please. if there's anything else that we could be sharing about um, a subject that we might want to share about. So this is from my deck, Wisdom of the Oracle. This is a deck that I teach with in my school, oh, in Oracle School. So let's see. What did we miss, if anything, or what does spirit the great goddess nature source with a capital s wants from us what is it what should we chat about a change in the wind mm-hmm. so what this is about is the the need for us to surrender when change comes that we don't recognize is by our action, specific action. So it's about how do we respond to the changes that are occurring that we don't believe we created specifically, right? So, and I think what this is talking about is that in general, all the turmoil and chaos, et cetera, that when we're in a reactive state, we're coming from our, we're not sourcing, we're not sourcing with a capital S, we're coming from our Self and that the instinct for survival. Mm. So, what what would you say about that? What would be a tip for the listener? How can they better respond to life's changes when they didn't make the change?
2: Beautiful, isn't it? And I feel like you've already answered it. So, um, and in exactly the way that I would, in the sense that this isn't about reaction. And I see so many people reacting to absolutely everything that's unfolding in the world. And I get it. We've been taught. We've been hyped up. We've been like coiled tightens, like a tight spring to react to absolutely everything. And if you don't react in the right way, then you don't care. And it's like, actually, but if, if we're able to come back into our bodies and be like, okay, take a breath, take a beat, even, you know, even if you can just take a step back from that thing before you hit send, before you speak, before you, you know, react and instead respond. Like that is the, for me. That's the gold. Like is the is in the response versus re- reaction, mm-hmm. right? Like reaction is like that. Is that kind of young kind of energy which is beautiful. But like actually, this what we learn as we as we've experienced the dark and the light and the dark and the light and we keep experience that cyclic nature that you talked about. You know that we witness in nature, but we also witness in our bodies and we also witness in the cosmos. Is that there's a time for everything, right? So actually if you know that there's a cyclical a cyclical sorry um nature to all things you are then able to sort of stay in your body a lot more with ease there's a more there's a more easeful way to be in your body so that not everything becomes a reaction so that you're able to feel what your response might be so that you can feel the words that you want to speak so that you can feel how you want to act instead of the the reaction Mm -hmm. which is so necessary right now, right? This is all about love and compassion. Like we need that. And we can only do that if we're able to create some space, if we're able to create like a little minute before
1: we react and let
2: it be a response.
1: I think that's a a maturing that's needed right now. I think everybody jumped so fast because they wanted to see instant results, but this is an entire generation of change this may not even, what we want to see in the world may not even happen in our lifetime. You know, it's a, it is a call to re, to source, like to yes. source with a capital yeah. S and to consider and to mm. ask what is the compassionate, most respectful way Beautiful. to yeah. respond to this. And that only comes with slowing down. Yes. That comes with bringing our energy back. And for me, and this has been my experience, is that I have to stay in the day. I can't mm-hmm. future pace. 24 hours is what I have, even though I still see the future and I do all this. It's kind sure. of a very strange, but paradox. But <laughs> I'm like, okay, what can I do today, right now? And is this the appropriate way for me to respond? Because I can be a very reactive. I've got all this freaking fire planets in my right. chart, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is like... <laughs> so I want to go wham but that's not always the best way so I have learned to slow down and ask my body what is what am I responding to because often what I found when I want to react it's because I'm trying to protect myself yeah, of or I'm trying and or trying to find certainty try like righteousness or all those mm-hmm. things come from fear they all it's always yeah. self-centered fear at the end of the day
2: Absolutely.
1: Always.
2: Absolutely. I love that your
1: work always addresses that. I love that all your work does that. It's amazing. (laughs) This was so great. Um, We're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter another dimension of the Wooniverse, the tea time after party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are going to travel into another dimension of the Wooniverse called the Tea Time After Party. (laughs) Joining us now is my executive producer, Connie DeLetti, Lisa Lisa and Connie. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to ask the first question. When we had your husband Rich on, he spoke so highly of you and recounted meeting you as one of the most special moments of his life. Good. <laughs> what's your favorite thing Good. about Rich and what's your version of the story? <laughs> mm-hmm. Our listeners have heard his.
2: <laughs> and I haven't listened to his episode either. What's um, like, no. <laughs> my favorite things about him? He's like total... Yeah calmness like you know he is so beautiful he's got this he's like this gentle giant but he has this like really strong center and I am like you said I'm all fire or I'm all water one or the other like he is just Mm. pure like mm, which is yummy it's a yummy to be in when you're in feminine flow and he's in (laughs) masculine kind of like strength it's like yummy but, you know, it creates, it, it creates all sorts of other issues as well, as you can imagine. Yeah. But, um, and what's my version of how we met? Well, it wasn't cool at the time. But now, like, everyone meets online, don't they, right? But, like, at the time, it really wasn't cool. And so we we had our first date on the beach. So we tell everyone like, oh, we just met on the beach. It was lovely. We just walking along. It was gorgeous, and we just had a moment, and we just saw each other. Our eyes met. It was gorgeous, but yeah, ultimately we met online.
1: I met my husband online too when it wasn't cool either. So that was it. No, totally in two thousand. When did we meet? Two thousand and two or two thousand and one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It was like when I still had that big computer that was the <laughs> size of a giant box. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my but God. I, I tell everybody he was a booty call that lasted 20 years. What can I tell you? God
2: bless Mark God bless. and his God sense bless of humor. All right. God bless him. God bless him. <laughs> Okay, Lisa, rumor has it that you're a Scorpio. Is that true? Rumor is right. Rumor is right. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're amongst water signs. Colette is Cancerian. I'm also a Scorpio. Oh. So, with all of your womb wisdom, what do you love best about being a Scorpio? Oh, about being a Scorpio. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That's such a good question. Like I wanna say my sharp tongue, because I am so good at like the mm. digs if I need to. But it's not a good quality, <laughs> is it? That's not a good quality to shout about. But it's true. I have That's a shining, sharp tongue. I, I have a
1: sharp tongue. I do and a, and a very strong fight. Ooh, okay. Well make sure I never make mm. you mad at me. Yeah, like don't mess
2: with me. Like I am lovely. No. I am lovely <laughs> until I'm not. That's the joy. Like I
1: am a do lovely like-
2: person
1: until I'm not. <laughs> I love this. You used to create magical perfumes. Do you still do this? And what are your favorite scents to mix? Oh, yummy! Yeah, I do still do it. I still I love
2: to do it. Um, my favorite bergamot. I love bergamot. Oh, yummy, yummy with grapefruit. That's actually like mm-hmm. one of my nice like, cleansing, energizing, yummy smells. But. Mm-hmm frankincense in anything is like just joyful and i've got very expensive taste so i love like all of the lotus flower like the oils which are like ridiculous Mm -hmm. amounts of money i love oud, ridiculous (laughs) amounts of money girls like i love that's my favorite
1: yeah so good Mm -hmm. i love oud and bergamot together yummy yeah beautiful honestly i have to get you to make me some i'm gonna buy some from you okay your turn connie um were you named after
2: anyone yeah Elvis presley thought what oh, really really yeah yeah my mom and my dad <laughs> both love yeah they both loved Elvis presley huge fans like we grew up and so i just watched the Elvis movie recently actually and it was just joyful i'm a big fan was it good so good i mean i love baz Luhrmann as well oh, so oh so good. <laughs> so good but yeah, yeah so
1: named after lisa marie presley oh my lisa god marie. okay Okay, what is your favorite subject to go down the rabbit hole on? Oh, stop it, there's so many.
2: So many. Stop it.
1: Like now, ten, I be, now, I want to be
2: now. I want to be like the proper spiritual person and have something really in the back No, like, no, don't I bother. love like the, all of the all of the kind of burner accounts for Real Housewife people. Like those ones are my favourite. Like when they kind of, you know, when they're just like, oh, and this is happening behind the scenes. I'm like, oh, is it? But I love them. So that's that's definitely one. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want a spiritual counts, answer yeah. um mm. like it is oracle cards i love oracle, like, i've designed my own but i also love other people's like i love yours and it's just like so i love like fine but i always want to know the story behind the art i want to know why like so
1: that's that's
2: my spiritual answer
1: yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's very funny. The Netflix, the Netflix answer. Well, I like Love Is Blind. I go down the rabbit hole on Love Ooh, Is Blind, Love Is Blind Japan. One. Oh, Love Is Blind Japan, love, Japan. love Is Blind like. Brazil, Love Is Blind America. I love, <laughs> love it. And anything fantasy, okay. I will read the books. I will. Yeah, I like to escape into magic, like the kind that's written about. But None. not not necessarily spiritual. We could have a sexy vampire thrown in there too, and I'd be happy. <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> Love it.
2: Truth, right, truth, truth be
1: told, right? Call truth be told. Okay, you know. Let's just you know. I don't mind one them.
2: Okay, Lisa. If you were to wear a T-shirt with one word for a whole year, what would that word be? Hmm, Power like power because it can mean everything can't it like it's almost like that soft power mm-hmm. that power that you're calling up the power that you're putting out the power that you're energizing like I feel like for a year to rem and, and almost just to remind ourselves because we so often forget that we're that we're powerful in a world that wants us to always be powerless right like so for me yeah. power. yeah how about you two? Oh, I love, I love that uh, you I
1: don't know chocolate oh, oh chocolate, chocolate. I don't know why I said that I have no idea that would probably be wrong <laughs> chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> or don't speak till I've had my coffee I'm only allowed to have one word coffee <laughs> <laughs> love it love it I that's know. a great
2: one I feel like mine's gonna say wow just wow nice because it's like a re-engagement of the wonder staying in that curious mind and like you can approach anything from wow. That's true. Love it. Woman yeah, so of wow. wonder. It can stand oh. for woman of wonder too. Oh, woman, woman of, of wonder. wonder.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of woman of wonder. I was going to say, I was going to say ah but then you said wow, which was better than ah but okay, let's move on. All right, you know what? Let's get into a technique now because I'm sure everybody wants to know a little bit about what your favorite one is. So what's one of your favorite techniques or rituals that you use to connect with the Mm. sacred or source? Yeah,
2: totally. I think like we overcomplicate everything, don't we? Like everyone loves like a ritual (laughs) or or a ceremony. You're like, what can we do? And it's like, what about if like we just place a hand on our heart, hand on our belly, hand on our womb space, soften like, and literally took in some big deep breaths in through the nose, held it, and then released it really noisily and audibly. <sighs> and like we did that a couple of times, <sighs> and then we land, we can land deeper right because like i say so many of us stay so high up in our bodies because it's Mm -hmm. how we kind of function and get on if we can just take that breath as deep as it goes and it takes a bit of practice but it can get down to our womb space and when that breath can get down to there like we can oxygenate that space and then it becomes juicy and and fecund and yummy and full of possibility i love it
1: This was so great. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Lisa and all of her offerings by going to her website, lisalister.com, or you can click on the link in the description and be whisked away to our show notes page, where you'll find everything you need to know about Lisa, her new book, and this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa. That was an awesome conversation. We so enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What a great conversation with Lisa Lister. I really loved her book, Witch. I found it to be just oh, her storytelling. She's a real storyteller. I hope people get her book and her latest book as well, too. She's really quite extraordinary. Um, when I asked the question, what did we learn today? I chose a card from Wisdom of the Oracle, which is my teaching deck. And interestingly, I got the card called Deep Knowing. And its a, you see an owl sitting on the moon. And it's funny because Lisa actually teaches about lunar cycles in all of her work and natural cycles, etc. But this really reminds us that the knowledge that we seek, the really deep knowledge about our purpose, our destiny as human beings on this planet, on this earth, can't be found outside of ourselves. The deep knowing exists already within us. And that's what Lisa spoke about today, is that inside us. We already know who we are. We already know why we're here. We just need to remember. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron reed Be well. Time to share
0: Is a production of Universal Network Studios. Thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and post-production audio by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music, Truth Begins, is by Colette Baron reed and Eric Ross. And all other music you hear in this episode is courtesy of APM Music. If you love what you are hearing and want to keep up to date on episode releases, bonus content, and prize giveaways, please visit us at itwpodcast.com. Also, we'd really appreciate a tastic review on Apple or Spotify. So please subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you again for listening. And we hope you join us next time for another episode on Inside the Wooniverse. Podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and May.